Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Leonard Brown, who's got better as the game's gone on, dribbling a little kick through his... They talked about the direct running that the All Blacks needed in the second half, and he's provided it. Yeah, he's straightened the play out, that's for sure, ever since he's moved in one to that second five role. But he really does threaten. Well, they thought about a shot at goal, but they'll kick it into touch. Stephen Pedalfetter puts it out. Scotland were brave. At times they were brilliant. But in the end, the All Blacks got it right when they needed to. They had to work for it, but they did it. Four tries to two. 31-23 final score. Yeah, that was the All Blacks this morning. Uh, that game kicked off at about quarter past three this morning, if you're brave enough to get up for it, brave as, as brave as the Scots were. One man who was there at Murrayfield for the All Blacks versus Scotland uh, was Jamie Wall. He joins us now. G'day, mate. How are you? Ricardo, and good evening from Edinburgh. Um, yeah, pretty pretty decent uh, pretty decent game we saw uh, this morning. Um, great crowd and yeah, pretty good location. They know how to do it up here in Scotland. I can tell you that much. Yeah, mate, uh, they, it looked like a great crowd. It was a great atmosphere and um, fantastic occasion. And you know what I really liked about this was I talked about this with Steve Devine yesterday on Bleeding Black. Is that this is a Scottish team that is capable of playing exciting, yeah. attacking rugby. And they didn't go into their shells and try and defend and play an old-school Northern Hemisphere style against the All Blacks. They tried to beat the All Blacks by playing the way that they know how. Yeah, that's absolutely right. They they, they didn't, and they didn't go in their shell after they got rocked pretty badly early um, by the All Blacks. They probably played, uh, I reckon, probably the best 15 minutes of the season. Um, to be honest, they really asserted themselves on the Scots, but then the next hour or so just completely belonged to the home side. Uh, so, you know, a little, little bit of concern there. But for me, I think... Um, there's probably more positives and negatives out of this game um, in terms of Ian Foster. Uh, the most important thing being that the All Blacks kind of dug themselves into a bit of a hole or had, had themselves put there by, by Scotland and managed to get themselves out of it, uh, which was uh, which was actually pretty pleasing, I reckon, because that's a sign of a good team that can kind of play a lot of the game poorly but then still do the right things uh, at the right time. And get themselves out of jail. Yeah, I mean, it was a... There were times when I was watching this this morning, I was like, oh, Christ, this feels like uh, back to the middle of a year when we were losing to Ireland and Argentina. It had that kind of disjointed performance about it for, for large parts. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And and I think that, for me, is why it's so pleasing that they managed to overcome that. You know, that, like they they got over that mental block um, and really impressed with uh, some of the players coming off the bench who had clearly been sent in with a message to sort, sort a bunch of stuff out. 
Um, and they did that, you know, some experience and some guys who've been under a bit of pressure uh, this year, you know, had a good game by Cody Taylor, really good impact, came on, made a really big turnover when he uh, when he first came on, and TJ Perinara had a really good game, I thought, uh, as well. So, yeah, just some, some good stuff. I think that, you know, you get a look at it and go, well, they only, uh, that sort of margin over Scotland, like it's, uh, and, and, and giving up that sort of um, amount of territory and possession for the middle part of the game, uh, probably not acceptable by All Black standards. But, you know, I just think that, you know, given what's happened this year, given the amount of trials and tribulations that they've had, and, yeah, back in July that they probably would have lost that game, um, it's at least there's some good signs of progress there. Definitely signs of progress. I, I guess maybe caught out a little bit by just how good Scotland were. Did Scotland overachieve, uh, do you think? I mean, or or at least uh, from an All Black point of view, what, what was expected by Foster and co.? I think like, the way Scotland were going to play and um, the sort of players that they had uh, was pretty well telegraphed. Um, they have, they definitely have the reputation as being more expensive teams in the Six Nations. So, I mean, it was always kind of going to happen. All the talk during the week was about Finn Russell uh, and what he was going to bring to the Scottish team. I thought he had a pretty decent game. Stuart Hall was really, really good too. I mean, but if I was a Scottish fan, I'd, I'd be disappointed, to be honest. Mm. They had three tries to, uh, disallowed, like literally an inch out from the line. Um, they should have gone into the half-time, a couple of tries up. I mean, a lot of that has to do with the all-back defence. That was that was pretty pretty decent, um, I thought. But, yeah, I think this is another really golden opportunity. Like the last time Scotland played New Zealand, where they were kind of undone at the end there, but, but they kind of have themselves to blame for for not actually picking up a historic win there. Now, one of the things that made the uh, that was talked about a lot in the media over here when the naming of this team was Geordie Barrett back to fullback and... You know, if we rewind a while uh, a while back, people were talking about Geordie as a 12 and Foster said, no, I don't like that as an idea. Um, he's come in as a 12 and looked really, really good. Uh, but Harvili and uh, Anton Leonard-Brown were available and Foster took the, took the first opportunity to play them as a, a midfield combo. Um, I don't know what you make of that. I, I sort of looked at it and went, sure, they've both been out for a while, but one gave away a penalty trying a yellow card and the other one threw a pass for an intercept. So I don't know if you put that down to them being out for a while or just maybe not being the best options there. Uh, well, I think with Leonard Brown, I think he's clearly needs a bit more game time. And um, I, I just have the opinion that Havili may, may not just be up to it uh, at this level. Um, yeah, I mean, that was such a bad intercept that, I mean, Darcy Graham wasn't even really looking to catch it. He just passed it straight to his gut. So... I mean, yeah, Geordie's position in the team, I mean, it would be nice if Foster was just a bit more honest about what he saw, uh, his role in the team this year. Like you said, he, he'd originally said, no, he's, he's only a fullback. Uh, um, and then to have him come in at 12 and play really well, and it's probably be most people's kind of first choice 12 going now, has been more by accident than design on, on Foster's part. But, you know, if it is, that is the case, I'm happy to live with it. Uh, because if it means that he's going to form a decent centre pairing um, in there and is the first choice number 12, then that's ultimately a good thing. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, they obviously wanted to try a few things in the Scottish test. Um, we did see Nipo Laulala, I think, particularly his side of the scrum, struggle in that first half. And I, I noticed that uh, Toki Ahau and Whitelock both had chats to the referee to say, you know, hey, look, Scotland are pulling back here when we're trying to engage, yet we're getting penalised. It didn't work, uh, that chat, until the second half when the ref started to pick up on it. But what did you make of us at scrum time against the Scots? Yeah, it was a battle. I mean, uh, the Scottish front row did a, did, did a bit of a number on Nepo um, there. 
Uh, and um, then when Neil uh, came on, he got pinged in the first scrum as well. So, you know, a little bit to work on. Um, and it, just in terms of communication with the referee, yeah, it was pretty ongoing uh, throughout the game. But they kind of felt like they got the better of them um, when it really counted. You know, they had... Uh, they had TJ come on, and I think it wasn't wasn't as soon as we could hear that through the ref chatter. I mean, that guy just completely takes over the um, proceedings uh, in terms of what he has to say. So, you know, it's again, it goes back to what I said at the start about how they got things right at the right time, and part of that was down to the experience of the likes of TJ and Cody coming on and taking charge of that situation. Um, not saying that the you know the ref got anything sort of blatantly wrong, was coerced into anything, but it was just it was definitely like. You know the amount of pressure that went on him um, stepped up a bit once those bench, that bench got emptied. Dalton Papali won uh, man of the match. Um, he was in everything, a lot of turnovers, made a lot of tackles. What did you make of his performance? And did it, was he your man of the match? Oh, I think there's a few there's a few candidates, but he, he was up there. I mean, it's the second really good game in a row that Dalton's had. You probably. Uh, Make a, make a case for both of these games uh, being the best test that he's, he's played so far, which leads into a pretty interesting um, selection situation going into next year. Um, because, uh, you know, if he's if he can start again next week and have a good game at Twickenham, um, really going to leave some question marks over the open side uh, situation there for the All Blacks and what Sam Kane's role in this team is going forward. Because, of course, you know, the, he's, he's obviously captain. Um, but Samuel Whitelock um, seems to be doing a pretty good job of that in his absence as well. So, yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one because Dalton really is uh, coming right at, the, at this time of year. And he, I mean, he's had a great season uh, all round, um, and he definitely feels like the balance of him and and Artie there at is uh, really complementing one another really well um, so far on this tour. Yeah, no, it has looked it has looked really good. I can't wait to see some Blackadder in that mix as well, mate. Um, because that uh, could be a game-changer next year as well when he's fit. Uh, in terms of what we're going to see against England, uh, do you think there'll be more tinkering, or do you think the 15 that runs out against England will be what Foster considers his best 15? Uh, I'd say, that, yeah, definitely the top 15 that's that's available um, for this week. Uh, you've got to remember that there were seven changes from, from last week, so I think it'll be a similar 15 to the one against uh, that we saw against Wales, uh, run out uh, against England at Twickenham. Yeah, so uh, what, Mawanga back in 10, Bodie back to 15 and Geordie at 12? Yeah, yeah, Mawanga at 10, uh, I think is, is he's definitely telegraphed that that is the, the first choose lineup, and then, um, yeah, Bodie back at 15. And, uh, yeah, I would, I would hope to see Geordie having um, another run at 12 to sort of solidify that position going forward. And Cody Taylor, I mean, you mentioned him because he had a great super season, but then his form fell off against the Irish. Um, has he done enough to go back to our number one hooking spot, or do you think Foster, on today's evidence, might like him as a finisher, someone that can come on and change a game when you need him? Oh, I really think he might have found his niche uh, as a guy who can come on with that experience in a tight situation like we saw today. I think Taukiaho is definitely the first choice that we've got, um, but given that uh, you know Taylor. Had the, had the yips earlier on in the year with the line-out throwing. He seems, seems to have sorted that out, and he just seems to be playing with a lot more confidence um, around the ruck uh, and really getting in there and, um, and you know, using his his experience and strength to kind of make a couple of key turnovers there was was really pleasing because uh, he's a good bloke. Uh, I like Cody. He, you know, he... He still has a few good years in him, and it would be a sh- it would be a bit of a waste to see his experience get sort of tossed out uh, 
uh, going into such a crucial year like next year. It would indeed, mate. Hey, now, you're, you're uh, up there, obviously, following the All Blacks around, but you would have tuned in for that World Cup final, mate. Mate, what did you make of uh, the, uh, the win from the Black Ferns and uh, the performance of England in that final? Yeah, what a game and, and what an occasion. I mean, I think that, um, you know, something that all New Zealanders can be proud of that, uh, you know, we've got these, these women out there representing the country in such a way that it's really grabbed the public attention. And um, just the story that they've managed to create um, after what happened last year, uh, that they've managed to come round to uh, packing out Eden Park and winning the World Cup and not just doing it, but doing it in really, really uh, exciting, exhilarating style that we saw. Um, in terms of England, like... Yeah, I mean, well done to them, they're a great team and everything, but at the same time, I think it's it's a really good thing that the Black Ferns won because I don't want to see women's rugby just follow the route of the way that men's is, seems to be going, which is heavily reliant on driving malls and um, kicking into the 22. Uh, I'd rather women's rugby stayed the way that the Black Ferns played it, which is, let's just run it from everywhere and have it, have it, have it go. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, it was entertaining, all right. It was uh, Steve Devine yesterday on Bleeding Black called it a battle of good versus evil. Uh, between the styles of the Black Ferns and the English women's rugby team. I don't know if he was too far wrong. Uh, there has been some talk uh, over here, probably not over there, about um, changing the laws around the rolling mall and maybe making it, you know, when it stops the first time, you've got to use it, you don't get a second crack. Uh, your, your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, it's an interesting one because it just once again does, does open up a lot of interpretation. I mean, personally, I think that they should just de-incentivise um, the scoring of tries, perhaps even making it worth less points, would probably do uh, do a bit, um, do go some way of lessening the amount of times we're gonna we're gonna see it on the field. But I mean, it's it's a hard one because, like, really, like England, it would be a law basically designed to stop teams like England, um, to stop mm. teams like I don't know Hawks Bay and the NPC or the Highlanders um, doing it, and it would be pretty unfair on them. Uh, considering it's the one strength of the game. They, they do still require uh, a lot of uh, skill and technique. They're just bloody boring to watch. Um, uh, and the, I guess the difference with women's rugby is that it's a product that needs to be sold. And the Black Fiends are doing had done such a great job of it during the World Cup. It'd be a shame to um, you know, change the game. And um, Yes, please. Uh, it'd be a shame to um, kind of, like I said, toss away the what makes women's rugby so great. Yeah, you're not wrong, mate. You're not wrong, Jamie. Hey, listen, uh, sounds like you're pretty thirsty. We'll let you go, mate, and get amongst. Uh, thanks very much for giving us some time, bro, and uh, enjoy the rest of that tour, right? Eh? No problem, Ricardo. We'll talk soon from London, all right? Yeah, it sounds good, mate. Will do. Jamie Wall there with us on tour with the All Blacks uh, from Scotland. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.